morning scripture reading will be from the book of Proverbs, chapter 31, verses 10 through 31. Again, that's Proverbs 31, 10 through 31. And I will be reading from the New King James Version. Who can find a virtuous wife? For her worth is far above rubies. The heart of her husband safely trusts her, so he will have no lack of gain. She does him good and not evil all the days of her life. She seeks wool and flax and willingly works with her hands. She is like the merchant ships. She brings her food from afar. She also rises while it is yet night and provides food for her household and portion and a portion for her maidservants. She considers a field and buys it. From her profits, she plants a vineyard. She girds herself with strength and strengthens her arms. She perceives that her merchandise is good and her lamp does not go out by night. She stretches out her hands to the distaff and her hand holds the spindle. She extends her hand to the poor. Yes, she reaches out her hands to the needy. She is not afraid of snow for her household, for all her household is clothed with scarlet. She makes tapestry for herself. Her clothing is fine linen and purple. Her husband is known in the gates when he sits among the elders of the land. She makes linen garments and sells them and supplies sashes for the merchants. Strength and honor are her clothing. She shall rejoice in time to come. She opens her mouth with wisdom, and on her tongue is the law of kindness. She watches over the ways of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children rise up and call her blessed, her husband also, and he praises her. Many daughters have done well, but you excel them all. Charm is deceitful and beauty is passing, but a woman who fears the Lord, she shall be praised. Give her of the fruit of her hands and let her own works praise her in the gates. This morning, for a few moments, I want us to consider this lady about whom we just read, the virtuous woman of Proverbs 31. But I want us to consider her from a different aspect, maybe perhaps that we haven't normally considered her, and one from which I haven't considered her before this study. But verse 21 tells us, She is not afraid of the snow for her household. For all her household are clothed in scarlet. I think one of the important things to understand there is, who is it for whom she does not fear? It's not herself, is it? She does not fear for her household. Why? She prepared them. They're clothed in scarlet. She made sure that whatever came their way, they could handle it and could face it. Why was that virtuous woman not afraid of the snow? Well, as we looked, as we look at what was just read for us, all the things that she did, all those things that she applied herself to in this life prevented her from having fear. Have you ever feared a coming event for which you were very well prepared? Well, most of us, not so much. But what about that event for which you were not very well prepared? And I think back, and of course the only experiences I have in life are my own, and I look back over the course of my academic career, and I have feared a whole lot of exams because I had not prepared myself properly. Now you can tell a big difference in 
having prepared yourself and having not prepared yourself, can't you? Those uh, exams that I've taken in the past where I was very well prepared, I was happy to go ahead and get it done and move on to the next thing. Those exams for which I was not very well prepared, I tried to figure every way I could to put that off to a later date because I wasn't prepared. And I want us to uh, consider this woman of Proverbs 31 in light of the Christ. I want us to listen to the words that he spoke to his disciples. Turn with me, if you would, to Matthew 20, verses 18 and 19. Matthew 20, 18 and 19. <clears throat> he told the disciples, he said, Behold, we go up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man shall be betrayed unto the chief priests and unto the scribes. And they shall condemn him to death, and shall deliver him to the Gentiles to mock and to scourge and to crucify him. And the third day he shall rise again. Now that was not an easy task. That was not something that anyone who is sane would look forward to involving themselves. Uh, but he did it anyway. And why was it that the Christ was able to do that? I think as we look at the characteristics of the virtuous woman of Proverbs 30, and there's no doubt where she got those characteristics. She learned those characteristics from God because she was a godly woman. Therefore, learning her characteristics from God, it stands as no surprise to us that the God-man had those same experiences and he was prepared. He was able to fulfill that difficult task because he was prepared to fulfill it. When we look at the things in Proverbs 31 that this amazing lady did, she was prepared to do those things, and we see that in the life of Christ. He did it because He prepared to be prepared. That's the title of the sermon this morning. Preparing to prepare. And we need to keep that in mind. Uh, to be successful... To be successful like this lady of Proverbs 31, to be successful like our example of the Christ, we have to first have a plan. That's our first point when we look at preparing to be prepared. <clears throat> I just read the last few days about a man back in 1960 and, and I failed to record his name, but he lived in a small town in Ohio and he uh, moved here from Greece and he had lived in the United States for many, many, many years. He died in his uh, later 70s. He came over as a young man. And he was kind of an odd fixture in the community. Everyone liked him, but he never did really learn how to uh, uh, embrace the culture of America. Not that he didn't want to, but it was just a little hard for him. Uh, learning to drive was a difficult task. His... Uh, Learning to speak English really never did turn out very well for him, though he could communicate. But by all accounts, people enjoyed him in the community. He was a good man. He had a shoe shine business, and he would shine shoes, and he made a decent living doing that. Well, two years before he died in 1960, he was uh, uh, driving around, and he began to think to himself, he said, you know, I'm not going to live forever. And so... He went to a funeral home and he said, you know, I want to buy a cemetery plot. I want to be able to go ahead and get that taken care of 
And uh, so they said, okay, we'll go ahead and do that. So he, he bought this cemetery plot, and what he did was, for the course of that two years prior to his dying, he would go weekly to that cemetery, and he would take care of that plot. He would make sure that the grass was mowed. He had planted two Japanese trees on the side of, maple trees on the side of that uh, tombstone that he had gotten. And after a while, he said, well, that doesn't look right. So he had those removed, and he put something else there. And he wanted the perfect tombstone, marker, headstone. And so uh, he had that, uh, he'd gone ahead and had that placed there. And as he were as he was doing these things over time, he finally went into the, the funeral home, and he said, you know, I want to look for a casket, and I want to have it ready to go for when I leave this world. And so he chose a casket, finally, that suited what he wanted, and as time continued, he would go by periodically and he would go in and look at that casket and he would say, at some point, that's going to be my home. So he was preparing himself for what was to come so no one else had to do that. Well, eventually he called, uh, he, he wasn't married, he didn't have a family. He called his nephew and came down from Michigan. He said, bring my sister. So he brought his sister and and the nephew brought his wife and his family, and they went out and had a big meal, and went back to his one-room apartment, <clears throat> and he began to uh, give them some things. He had all kinds of canned goods he gave his nephew's wife. He brought out a suit to give to his nephew's brother-in-law, and he had a couple of envelopes. He had one envelope that had some money in it, and he wanted that to go to his nephew's three sons. Well, then in another envelope, he had some things that he wanted to go to some other people. And finally, the last envelope was his will. And the nephew said, Uncle, we don't need to talk about that now. He said, look, I've gone to all this trouble. I've made this preparation so no one has to. And so he gave him the envelope. And this is in a a newspaper in 1960 in this little town in uh, Ohio. Just as soon as he handed him that envelope, he went to walk over to his table in his one-room apartment, and he collapsed and he dropped dead on the spot. The title of the story was The Man Who Died on Time. Because he had made every preparation for that to happen, and just as soon as he was finished, the man died. But you know what's not mentioned? And as far as we know, he made every preparation for this physical life and he made no preparation for the coming life. The life that he stepped into when he breathed his last breath. Why was Jesus able to do what he did? Why was the woman of Proverbs 31 not afraid of the snow for her family? Because they were prepared. And to be prepared, you have to have a plan. Right? That's our first point. We have to have a plan, but we must be determined to carry it out. Notice the planning about which we read in Proverbs 31, verse 12. She will do him good all the days of her life. Of course, the writer is speaking of the woman's husband. You notice what it doesn't say? I'll do him good all the days of his life. No, that's not what it says. She planned on her life. She's going to do the right things 
for her husband all the days of her life. Because we don't know when we'll leave this world, do we? But she was prepared for that. And that's planning to be successful. Not just for her, again, but for her her husband and her family. Christ's plan had been in long effect, right? Prior to His coming and living among the people of the world. The eternal purpose of God, Ephesians 3 verse 11, was recognized or made manifest in Christ Jesus. Paul made this statement, Ephesians 3 beginning with verse 9, And to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of the world hath been hid in God, who created all things by Jesus Christ, to the intent that now under the principalities and powers in heavenly places might be known by the church the manifold wisdom of God according to the eternal purpose which He purposed in Christ Jesus our Lord. That ought to tell us something about our plans, shouldn't it? If we're going to emulate Christ in our lives, and if we're going to apply what we read about this woman in Proverbs 31, we better have a plan, and we have to be determined to follow that plan, right? Should we be concerned about the future? Well, we better be concerned about the future. God expects us to be concerned about the future. We have to make preparation because we never know when this life will end and beyond that is really the future of which the Bible speaks. Eternity, right? In our passage, uh, the one we looked at in Matthew chapter 20, verses 18 and 19, we see Jesus was concerned about the future, not because He feared anything. He didn't have to fear anything. He had prepared Himself. That doesn't mean He looked forward to the physical agony of what was going to happen, but He was not afraid because it was important. It was not too difficult because it was important. Right? We can do things in this life that are very difficult if we understand how important they are. And He had complete trust in God the Father, and He was in total submission to that plan, and He carried on with it, right? And that's what we definitely need to have if we're going to live in this life and be what what God expects us to be. Well, we see the plan, we see the determination. I want us to notice the description, what we see here. When we're As far as concerning Jesus, Jesus described how He was going to be mistreated. He talked about how the Gentiles and the Jewish leaders were going to abuse him and take his life, but how it was necessary if people were going to gain salvation. And we have to be willing to suffer in that way. We have to be willing to do what Christ did for us. Now, none of us are going to face those exact same circumstances. But we will all suffer in this life if we follow Christ in some way. Now, it may simply be someone jeering or making fun. It may be that we might lose a position or this or that because of the faith that we hold. There have been countless times when family members have been ostracized from the rest of the family because they became New Testament Christians. But notice what Jesus told those, uh, told the churches in Asia. Revelation 2 verse 10, Fear none of these things which thou shalt suffer. Behold, the devil shall cast some of you into prison that ye may be tried and ye shall have tribulation ten days. Be thou faithful unto death, and I will give thee a crown of life. How is that possible? How can we have that crown of life? Because of the preparation Christ made. 
If Christ prepared to give us salvation, how can anyone believe we can gain salvation without having making without having had made preparation ourselves? We see that in the virtuous woman, don't we? She was not afraid. Notice uh, uh, verse 21 again. She was not afraid of the snow. Why? She made preparation. She was prepared, or she did prepare to be prepared. And that's what we have to do, just like the Christ and just like we do. If our plans are going to be successful, we have to first have a plan, and then secondly, we have to persist. That's our second point. Proverbs 31, 13 through 17. Read that with me. Proverbs 31, 13. She seeketh wool and flax and worketh willingly with her hands. She's like the merchant ships. She bringeth her food from afar. She riseth also while it is yet night and giveth meat to her household and a portion to her maidens. She considereth a field and buyeth it with the fruit of her hands. She planteth a vineyard. She girdeth her loins with strength and strengtheneth her arms. Boy, she stayed at it, didn't she? She persisted. She stayed at it. I want to uh, try to understand in this passage here, when did this lady that we hear about so much in the modern time have this me time that everyone says we have to have? When did she have this me time? Now, I'm not saying that we should not have times of rest. I'm not saying that at all. But what I'm saying is she focused on that which was important. That's what we better do. That's what we better do. How many times have you heard about or have you seen a couple who married at a young age, they maybe have a child or two, and then two or three or four years into it, one or the other decides they weren't ready for that. They missed out on a whole lot of things in this life. They want to go back and they want to be young again without responsibility. They don't want to have to be uh, uh, held down by a marriage and a child. And then what do they do? They destroy that marriage. They ruin the lives of those people involved. And one or the other, and sometimes maybe even both, just simply go their separate ways. They needed that me time, right? They needed to be able to sow their wild oats. They needed to be go out and, and be young and have all those things that they viewed as important in this life. You know, I don't read that Proverbs 31. And I'm not intending that that this woman gave up her life and never enjoyed anything in this life. She enjoyed what she did. And she you can read about it and you can see it in the success that she had. When you see people who enjoy their livelihoods, you can see that they're successful in that because it's not even like going to work. Even when it's difficult. Even when it's hard, right? I want us to consider her again in view of Christ. He stayed on the cross. He persisted. He stayed on the cross. So we could have salvation. During his arrest, Peter tried to kill Malchus, the servant of the high priest. Notice what Jesus told him, Matthew 26, beginning with verse 53. Thinkest thou that I cannot now pray to my Father, and he shall presently give me more than twelve legions of angels? But how then shall the Scriptures be fulfilled that thus it must be? You have Peter. He comes up. He has the answer to the problem. He draws his sword. He's going to save the Christ from being arrested and and put to death. But do you know what he was doing all along? 
He was destroying this preparation. Christ had prepared for this very event. And Peter, we might say in this life, threw a monkey wrench into the, into the works, right? Jesus prepared. He said, do you think I couldn't call legions of angels? Do you think I'm so powerless that these people take me against my will? He said, I lay my life down. They don't take it from me. See, he had prepared. Peter had not properly prepared at that point, right? The nails didn't keep him on the cross. His life did. We need to understand and we need to live our lives in response to what he did. He stayed on the cross. Now, the virtuous woman prepared for all seasons. She was steadfast, right? She stayed in the fight and she was steadfast in doing what she knew was appropriate. We may feel in this life that we have all things under control. We may feel like we've beaten it all, we're on, we're going well, but you know what we must always consider is that we have to be steadfast. We can't forget what we're doing. We can't take our eyes off the path. We still have to remain steadfast. And that's what this woman did. That's what the Christ did. That's why Jesus stayed on the cross. And that's what our response ought to be. Remember what he said in Matthew 10, 22. And ye shall be hated of all men for my name's sake, but he that endureth to the end shall be saved. Paul made those similar statements in 2 Timothy 4, 6 through 8. Right? I fought a good fight. I kept the course. Now I know there's a crown of righteousness laid upon me. He stayed the course. He was steadfast. He persisted. Why? Because he had a plan. And he accepted the plan. And he carried out the plan. And persistence is necessary in every aspect of our lives. If we want to be successful in that aspect of life. of life. Now, what we need to keep in mind is we have to have a plan. We have to be persistent. But there always comes a time when we have to pay for what we've done, right? We have to pay, whether it's good or bad. There comes a cost and a price with everything. That's our third point. When we look at Jesus, Jesus paid the price so we could get to heaven. What was God's goal? What was the eternal purpose? Let's go back to what Paul said. The eternal purpose of God was realized in Christ Jesus. That was for Him to come to earth to seek and to save that which was lost. So their goal was for the lost to be saved. So humanity could once again be in the right relationship with God. Like they were in the beginning. Like the first couple was before they sinned and and were cast out of the garden. (coughs) So that was the plan. What was the... uh, did? Did Christ and did God persist in that? Absolutely. But what was the pay for that? What was the cost? Christ had to come to earth and He had to die. That's good for us. That's wonderful for us. Was that in and of itself good for God? Well, it was good for God that that's what He wanted to do and He had great love and so He did that. But the only thing Christ gained from doing that was our salvation. But there's always a payment that must be made. 
Now, Paul warned this as well, Romans 6, 23, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. We see that payment has to be made. Christ made the payment. Christ made the payment. He was glad to make the payment. Now, let's go back and let's look at the example of the virtuous woman. What did she pay in this life? Well, I think that like Christ, she crucified. That was the payment. What she crucified? I think she crucified the sins of this life. She embraced that which was good. The whole passage is about her godliness and her virtue and her choosing that which is right and getting away from that which is wrong. Jesus paid our debts. She embraced that which was good. And that's our example, isn't it? We have to crucify we have to count the cost. The virtuous lady counted the cost. Let's read some more about him, about her. Let's begin with verse 25 of Proverbs 31. Verse 25. Strength and honor are her clothing, and she shall rejoice in time to come. Strength and honor are her clothing, and she shall rejoice in time to come. She openeth her mouth with wisdom, and in her tongue is the law of kindness. She looketh well to the ways of her household, and eateth not the bread of idleness. This lady's not sitting around doing nothing, is she? She's working hard all the time. Why? She has a plan. She is persistent. She is paying that which it costs to carry this out. Her children arise up and call her blessed. Her husband also, and he praiseth her. Is there a better compliment in the world than for a mother and a wife to say her children rise up and call her blessed? And so does her husband. And he praises her. There's not a greater compliment. Many daughters have done virtuously, but thou excellest them all. Let's read 30 and 31. This kind of wraps up the idea. Favor is deceitful and beauty is vain. But a woman that feareth the Lord, she shall be praised. Give her of the fruit of her hands and let her own works praise her in the gates. You know what he's talking about? He's talking about that stellar reputation that this woman has because she prepared to be prepared. And she stood on that which was right. She crucified the the sins of, and the pleasures of this world, and she counted the cost. Christ counted the cost. He understood exactly what was going to happen. That's why He told Peter, Put your sword up. You think I can't call angels to, to rescue me? Do you think that humanity can stop God? He knew what the cost was, but He accepted the cost, right? Remember what He told us. As we walk the paths of this life, each will come across the path to salvation and the path to sin. He said, Enter in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction, and many be uh, many there be which go in thereat, Matthew seven, thirteen and fourteen, because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. See, we have to understand there's a cost. Involved, We have to crucify that which we do not need in this life, that which is harmful to us 
And that's a choice that we must choose. And we must sacrifice that which needs to be sacrificed. I think when we look at the virtuous woman, and we look at this idea of crucifying and counting the cost, I want to go back to this idea, and I want us to understand she didn't miss out on anything in life. She didn't miss out on anything in life. She had the proper mindset because she was a godly and a virtuous woman. She didn't get to a point when her children were were running around and needing a, a lot of focus and needing a lot of help and things were going on and she was busy and she said, you know, I, I'm not cut out for this. I need to go back to, to, to the life I had when I was a single woman. I had no responsibility. I could do what I wanted to do when I wanted to do it. We don't read that about her because that's not part of her. It's a whole lot of part. It's a whole lot a part of people in the world today. And even from the beginning, it's been that way. She did not miss out on anything. She loved what she did. Paul said, in whatever state I am, I'm going to be content. She wanted to be where she was. And we see that in the results of what she was doing. Her children stood up and called her blessed. Her husband did also and he praised her. Let her enjoy the fruits of her labor and let her good name go into the gates of the city. That's what kind of woman she was. We have to have a plan. We have to persist. And we must be willing to pay the cost. And if we're going to be prepared, and if we're going to prepare to be prepared, that's what we have to do. When we look at the idea of looking into the future, we do not know what's going to be there. But we have to prepare for different things. The lady of Proverbs 31, she was prepared for the snow. She was prepared to feed her family. She was prepared to uh, buy and sell and trade uh, in real estate so she could provide for her family. She made things with her hands. She uh, weaved garments she did all of those things. She is probably one of the most talented people we read of in the whole of the Bible. And she did all of that because she wanted to prepare herself to be prepared so anything that came along she could address it and she did not fear the snow for her family because she was prepared. If you're here today and you're not prepared to meet God, make that preparation. Come to Him today. <clears throat> In faith and obedience, repentance of past sins, uh, Acts 3.19. Confession that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, Acts 8.37. Be baptized in water. Be immersed, coming up, washing the sins of this life away, Acts 22.16. Being added to the church, Acts 2, verse 47. Being placed into the body of Christ, Galatians 3.26 and 27. If you've done those things... And for some reason you've become unfaithful, you've allowed your preparation to lapse. Come back to God through repentance and confession of sin, whether publicly or privately. If a, if, if a public confession is necessary of sin, come forward. We'll pray with you and for you and love you for it. But if you need to answer this Lord's invitation, do that as we stand and as we sing.